Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Thanks for listening to Your Best with Kathy Weckworth. Today I'm bringing you everything I love about Your Best radio show. So I'm calling it the best of your best, and I'm bringing the show to you via my favorite words. So let me start off with the word dream. What's a dream look like for you? I'm not talking about the kind of dream where you sleep and a story takes place. No, I'm talking about the kind of dream where you believe somewhere deep in your heart that something will happen. Something that's hoped for and you think is meant to happen. When I was about four or five, I went to church with my family one Sunday. Our pastor, a kind man who was always dressed in a crisp white shirt and tie, black dress pants and wingtip shoes, stood before us with one strong message. A message that said, let others know about Jesus. When the sermon was done, I talked to my dad about what I'd heard. I was so moved as a little child that I asked him, Daddy, who will tell others about Jesus? And my dad said, you will, Kathleen, as long as you're alive, that's your job. Can I be a pastor like our pastor? And because of our denomination, Daddy said, no, I'm sorry, our church doesn't let women preach, but you can always tell people about Jesus. I looked at the woman sitting at the piano with her big beehive hairdo. I loved how she created beautiful music from that bench, and I said, can I play the piano like that lady? And he smiled and said, of course. That day, a duo dream was planted like little seeds in my soul. Be a worship director, be a pastor. It didn't seem to matter that Daddy said the church wouldn't let me. That just wasn't going to stop me. Eight short years later, at the age of 12, I began to play the piano for every single church service at our church. I started planning the services with my pastor and choosing the songs we'd sing, and I did something. I told people about Jesus. I told them about having faith in his Father, God. And I told them that if they wanted eternal life in heaven, they needed to believe in Jesus as Savior. Well, years and years went by as I served at churches leading music. And in today's society, we call that a worship director. I had a fabulous title at the churches where I served full-time, earning a good living. My title was Director of Worship and Creative Arts. I brought music to the church services, along with drama, dramatic readings, dance, and creative elements like poetry and art. In 2004, serving with a pastor in Elk River, I was asked to be the speaker on a Sunday morning to fill in for my pastor while he was on vacation. I wrote up my talk and planned every element to what I would say, how I would present it, and what would make people interested. When I delivered it that morning, a piece of my dream was fulfilled. Forty years I'd served the dream as a music director, but every once in a while I found myself behind the pulpit fulfilling a dream. And then I moved out here to the farm and married the fabulous farmer Dean. I started my women's ministry, moved Frank Lake Covenant Church from rural Murdoch to our property. I went to an auction of a country church and purchased an old podium that was for pastors. It was time to start working on the second half of my dream. The more I would speak at our conferences for best life, the more I felt fulfilled. The more I spoke, 
the more people asked me to speak. And living out in rural America, the more people heard me, the more they began to ask me to fill in for their pastors while they were gone. I found myself preaching more and more. Dean and I have once a month services on Saturday nights at our little church, and I stood behind our podium on stage where the pastor stood from the late 1800s to today. The dream was fulfilled, but not entirely until now. One day this fall, I spoke for a church in rural Minnesota in a small town called Montevideo, which is south of our home. After I was done speaking, an 80-year-old man asked me, if he could talk with me. He stood before me, kind of choked up, a little bit teary, and he explained that over the last year, they only had services two times a month for their church. When I asked him why, he said, because they could not get a pastor to come out this far and serve. They could not get people to fill the pulpit. I said I'd like to help. And there it was. I felt the desire to start helping any church out here in rural parts of America if I could. I went to speak at one of our favorite rural churches in the neighboring town of Kirkhoven, about 15 miles from Dean and Kathy. They had been searching for a pastor for quite some time as their interim pastor was going to retire. I preached that morning, and after that I felt really excited about the possibility that maybe someday I could be a pastor. Well, they asked me to come back a few weeks later and speak again. Unbeknownst to me, they were checking me out for the job. When I got there that morning, just before I went up to start speaking, they said, would you consider applying for the job as our pastor? I did. I considered it. I met with them, and they hired me. The fabulous church, Bethel Baptist in Kirkhoven, Minnesota, the dream I have to carry the message of Jesus is now fulfilled each day, but it's also fulfilled in helping lead worship, helping run a ministry, and now helping lead a church. The dream I had to become a pastor took 50 years, but nevertheless, it's arrived. My daddy would be proud. You know what he said to me years later, not long before he passed away? He said, Kathleen, why did I ever tell you that? Who cares what a church denomination thinks about women teaching? If God calls you, we listen to him. I'm sorry I ever slowed you down on that dream. Well, you didn't, Dad. It just took a while for the dream to catch up. Dream, that's the word. What's God placed in your heart today, even as a child? Where is that dream, and is it getting ready to be fulfilled? Scripture tells us in James 1.17 that every good and perfect gift is from above and comes from the Father, because God is good dream. What a great word. Okay, well, here's my next favorite, the word hope. Sometimes life is hard. We all know that. This past week, my daughter emailed and told me that both of her cars broke down. $2,000 to fix one, and she was scared to find out what was wrong with the other one. She said, I'm just not hopeful. It can be repaired. I don't know what we're going to do. Trouble had come, and with it, hope had disappeared. But hope means believing something great will happen even when it doesn't look like it. So here's my friend, Pastor Frank Riley, who's been a mentor to me for many years from Morgan Hills Presbyterian Church. And Pastor Frank was deployed a couple of times with the Navy as a chaplain serving in Afghanistan. Let's listen to part of my interview with him. Well, how do you feel like you deal with your own emotions and feelings, you know, when things seem hopeless? 
Mm. Yeah. You know, that, that is certainly the case. In the end, uh, yeah, I'm a pastor, but I'm also just a guy. And I think we all have times and seasons like that. We're promised that in this world we're going to have trouble. So one of the lessons from Scripture that I've learned is this. When, when things seem dark and hopeless in your future, I would say this. Take some time to look back and think about where God has actually acted in your past. Think about other seasons when things may have seemed hopeless and how God brought you through that. See, those are patterns of divine intervention in your life. And if you can recount them, you know, and look back, they can not only um, give you just a a sense of His presence for the past, but give you hope for the future. And it may also, by the way, when you're doing that, give you some insight right now to see where, where God may actually be working even now in the moment. I love that encouragement from Pastor Frank about hope and having hope. Another important word in life is the word health. Here's my son-in-law, Dr. Justin Hildebrand, from KC North Spine and Joint Center out of Kansas City, Missouri. He's going to talk to us a little bit about cancer. One of the most frightening words in the dictionary is cancer. And it's even more scary to hear, you have cancer. Although research on preventing and eliminating cancer is not 100%, we do know that early detection has the best results and many preventative measures do exist. One of the most successful cancer prevention and increasing survival rate measures we know of is preventative yearly blood work. Every single adult should have blood work done every single year. Also, this blood work is covered at 100% on almost all insurance plans. Preventative blood work such as complete blood count, CBC, comprehensive metabolic panel, CMP, lipid panel, hemoglobin A1C, and thyroid-stimulating hormone, TSH, can help you and your doctor and give abundance of information. With Yearly blood work, one can monitor changes in many different tests and hopefully detect health conditions before they become a life-threatening disorder. Other yearly preventative exams are mammograms and breast exam for breast cancer, pap smear for cervical cancer, digital exam and prostate-specific antigen blood tests for prostate cancer, and yearly physical exam for head, neck, and skin cancers. Cancer loves acidic environments. Many foods we eat help create an acidic environment within our bodily systems. Foods like refined sugar, dairy, coffee, gluten, and peanuts increase the acidity of our internal environment. We can counteract these foods with fruits, vegetables, raw almonds, eggs, and omega-3 oils. Eating less acidic producing foods and more basic or alkaline foods will help balance out the systems. To help reduce one's risk of getting cancer, the additions of vitamins and minerals may be beneficial. Substance like carotenoids, antioxidants such as selenium and vitamin C and E, along with other vitamins like vitamin A and K, are believed to reduce one's risk of getting cancer. Lycopene, a substance in tomatoes, has been linked with protecting against several forms of cancer. Adding dietary fiber to one's diet or supplement regimen has been shown to reduce the risk of colorectal and other cancers. Cancer may be a scary word, but with proper screening and lifestyle, one can reduce their risk for being diagnosed and increase their chance for survival. Yours in health, Dr. Justin Hildebrand. I've often wondered where my life would be without friends. I've had good friends. I've had fair-weather friends. 
You know the kind I mean, when the going gets tough for you or them, they just kind of fade away. They're there when you need them to listen to you or them. You know, maybe kind of, I don't know, just not really totally deep friendships. And when you're sick or in trouble or going through a divorce, well, it's not about them, so they kind of fade away. Or perhaps you have friends who are really great to fish with or golf with or sew with, but they're not the kind of friends you want to travel to Mexico with because you couldn't take them for more than a few hours. Well, then, every once in a while in life, we find one of those amazing friends. You know, the kind of friend that Scripture talks about in Proverbs 27 when it says, as iron sharpens iron, or iron, so one person sharpens another. Here are some thoughts from my best friend, Kathleen Soggy, on the topic of friendship. What about you? What would be encouraging to you? Well, I think it's a, a lot of the little things. I don't think it always has to be great big things where it costs money. I mean, just looking at a person in the eye and saying, you know, I really appreciate you and who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. Because I think we live in a world where we're constantly being bombarded with, you know, I'm not good enough. I should be somebody else. We don't take for ourselves for um, who we are. We don't value even our own qualities. And, and that's the one thing I think you're good at, Kathy, is you, you see in other people what they don't see in themselves. And I've learned from you to, to look deeper into other people. But you're incredible at seeing the, the things that are down the road for people, things that they, they can do better in in life that, I mean, the, the staff at Best Life, you're always looking into their hearts and saying, you know, you guys are good at this and this, and they all kind of look at each other like we are. And so that's a gift you have, and not everybody has that. But I think it's the little things. It's, you know, a card in the mail. It's a quick phone call. You know, how are you? Are you okay? Just thinking about you. Maybe it's a text to just say, hope you have a good day, or um, how are you, or how's your family? Thanks, Kathleen. Makes me want to give her a phone call right now and chat. Every day in our world, we have to resolve conflict. We don't think about it because it becomes something as simple as blinking or breathing. But we have people fighting around us and with us. Look at the world today. Politics have brought new levels of fighting into play and people across the country are edgy, bossy, self-absorbed, and ready for a fight. But scripture tells us, friends, that we're not to live like that. Psalm 133.1 says how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity. And that means getting along. That means working through issues. That means conflict resolution. Here's my friend, Pastor Louie, as he talks about steps to work at conflict resolution. You know, the Bible says, Romans 12, um, 17 and 18, don't repay evil for evil or insult for insult. First Peter three nine says, but instead give a blessing. And if we seek peace and pursue it, First Peter three eleven, that means that we need to understand our own desires. Remember James four one says, Why are there quarrels among you? Why do you guys fight? It's because you have these desires. And if my desire comes across and in contradiction to yours, and I block your goal. Neil Anderson says, the fruit of all real anger is a blocked goal. 
So if my desire is blocking your goal, then there's going to be conflict. So I need to do the hard work of putting the mirror up, self-examination, and going, what do I desire here? And why is this so important to me that I would risk relationship? And as I evaluate that, and I come to God, and I say, oh, this is what I'm after. And you know what? As Pammy said, winning this argument, proving that I'm smarter or better than my wife, is not going to win me her um, trust right. and right. and her blessing. And I think it's Andy Smalley, <clears throat> it could have been some other marriage and family guru, that said, conflicts are common and normal in a marriage relationship, and the ones that roll off the back happen when there's significant trust between a husband and his wife, and mm-hmm. a wife and his husband. If the trust level is high, mm-hmm. those little skirmishes, they just sort of fade, and they don't take root, and right, they don't right. become a big deal. Yeah. Um, and so I see the Bible saying, be very, very proactive, do the front-end loading, speak the love language so consistently that when those disagreements emerge, they're not like life-threatening. They're mm-hmm. not like, oh, this is going to derail us for good. Right, They're exactly. just little issues that we, we seek peace and find them. The Bible says, Proverbs 15, 1, Kathy, a soft answer turns away wrath. Here's a great word for today, love. We see it in so many ways, so many shapes and sizes every day, but we become so accustomed to it that sometimes we don't know it when it's right in front of our noses. Scripture tells us that we love him, Jesus, because he first loved us. So right now, my word is music. And here's my all-time favorite happy tune by Carolyn Ahrens, who was actually here with me on my radio show. Pretty fun. This is called I Can See You. Hey, this is Carolyn Ahrens, and you have great taste. You're listening to Your Best with Happy Workworth. Dripping in the kitchen, rubber squealing, watch out in the alley. Mr. Marley's problem with the wicked. Birdie singing, telling me to get up. Such a soothing sound floating on the
In life, we are led by various people. It starts out by being led by our parents and family members, a teacher, a pastor, and then a boss. We are led and we lead. Leadership is another incredible word, leadership. Here's John Jennings with Leadership Moments. This is John Jennings with Leadership Moments by Jeremiah Palmer. Being versus being right or wrong. I'm sure I picked the wrong line again. That was the thought running through my mind as I entered one of those security line tributaries at the airport. I tend to believe that whatever queue I choose, regardless of venue, seems to take the longest. What struck me as odd about my thought was the assumption that there was a correct lane. Certainly, there was indeed one line that would prove faster. Did faster equate to correct? In life, I'm oft assuming that the choices I make are right or wrong. Some, of course, are worthy of that distinction. There are a multitude more, however, to which we artificially assign certainty or significance. What's the cost? I think it leaves us paralyzed about choices to be made or excessively worried about the choices we do make. Don't get me wrong here, choice is a beautiful thing. Yet, obsessing over some choices takes away our ability to be present, which can inhibit our learning. I also think it relates to this idea of perfection that infects many of us. In my example, did it matter which line I chose? Not really. I had ample time to make the flight. What if the line took longer? Was shorter? What reaction might I have? What might I learn about myself? How might I show up with others differently if not fretting about my choice? Sure, the airport example might be trite. Yet I think it can be instructive. Where I am agonizing over choices. Which are worthy of the excessive contemplation? Which am I avoiding because I'm not sure which option is right? What's that costing me? What learning am I missing because I don't want to be wrong? Next time, I'll pick a line and just stay present, kick back, enjoy the ride, and learn. When I think about great words, I think about the word worship. Worship is something that we can do every day as we think and act upon God's love for us. Here's my friend Tony Guerrero, award-winning musician and prior creative director leading worship at Saddleback Church with Rick Warren in Orange, California. He's going to tell us more about worship and how to live our best life. Hi, listeners. This is it. This is your one life. When we talk about finding your best life, it's not meant to imply that you have a bunch of separate lives to choose from. Your best life, your worst life, your exciting life, your forgettable life. It's really all one life rolled into one cacophony of good and bad, memorable and forgettable, happy and sad, victorious and defeated moments. As Christians, we believe that our lives in Christ are eternal and that after this life here on earth, we move on to the next life in heaven. But really, it's the same life. Death is not a split between two different lives. It's a blip, a blink in one life. You will be here, then there. After all, our lives aren't our bodies, but our souls. And if our souls are to go on eternally and at no point cease to exist, then our lives in heaven are really a continuation of this life here. It's the same life. In the quest for our best life, people often search for some form of heaven on earth. But there is really only one thing we can do on earth that will resemble heaven, and that is worship. Our eternal lives in heaven will be filled with the worship of our glorious Creator. After all, it is this that we were created for, to worship Him. If that is true, and it is, then we can only achieve our best life when we are completely fulfilling our true purpose for existing. 
In heaven, we will be living in our purpose, and it will be better than anything we can imagine now. But God has allowed us a precious glimpse of heaven here on earth when we worship him. Sadly, we often let the opportunity to worship slip through our busy hands. Our best life is available to us at every moment of the day. However, it is often our decision to ignore it. In a nutshell, your best life is one that is full of worship, and worship is a decision. So you have the power to truly begin your best life now by simply worshiping God in everything you do. Our church culture often presents worship as a time for singing praises, and to be sure, this can be a part of it. As a musician, I am grateful that God accepts my music as a form of worship. But singing music to God is simply one way to worship. The fact is every moment of every day is an opportunity for worship. Worship is, at its core, honoring God. Thus, when you serve someone in need, you are worshiping. When you talk to God in prayer, you are worshiping. When you intentionally guard your heart and your eyes from evil, you're worshiping. When you avoid gossip, you are worshiping. When you lovingly correct your children, you're worshiping. When you conduct your business ethically, you are worshiping. When you mourn and cry out to God, you are worshiping. When you love others, you are worshiping. But in all of these and many other possible examples, the worship isn't just the act, but an intentional committing of your thoughts and deeds to honoring God. Basically, whenever we live our lives, every moment, thought, and deed, as an act of worship dedicated solely to God, then we are living our best life. Worship the Lord your God, your Father who loves you and created you for worship. Your best life can begin now. This is Tony Guerrero with Everyday Worship. One final word that's important to me is the word rest. Sometimes I get really caught up in working and I forget how important and valuable it is to rest. Here are some smart words of encouragement from my friend, Nurse Tammy Dahlheimer. Tammy, as a nurse, what implications does lack of rest have on our physical bodies and how do you think it affects us emotionally and spiritually? Well, the implications are are many. Um, of course, it rejuvenates our body, mind, and soul and um, you know, the National Institute of Health has a lot to tell us on the subject, and I will quote something that they've said. Sleep plays a vital role in good health and well-being throughout your life. Getting enough quality sleep at the right times can protect your mental health, physical health, quality of life, and safety. So, when you ask how it helps our physical body, well, it helps your brain. I mean, when you're sleeping at night, your brain is getting ready for the next day. It's getting ready to answer questions like I'm doing right now and forming new pathways to help you learn and remember information. If you're not getting enough sleep, you might have trouble making decisions, solving problems, even controlling your emotions. Sleep deficiency has even been linked to depression and suicide. And that's not the only organ. Our heart needs sleep. It's involved in the healing and repair of our heart and blood vessels, so kidney disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, stroke, all of those things are linked to ongoing sleep deficiency. Even obesity, because it controls the hormones that help us understand how we're hungry and when we're full. And it helps to regulate our blood glucose or the hormone that helps regulate our sugars. 
Friends, these are some of the best words ever, and we paired them up with our favorite past guests. If you're in the rural area out here and you don't have a home church, come and visit mine. I'm the lead pastor now at Bethel Baptist Church in Kirkhoven, Minnesota. Service hours are 10 a.m. on Sundays. Boy, I would love to have you join us. Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, today when we think of the best things in life, we think of you. You gave your life on the cross for us. Thanks for bringing dreams to fruition and for helping us in life each and every day. Bless my friends this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best. Best life, help all the